0: dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby and now I can bring the entire crew my dog and all of our gear with that third row learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com call 562-314-4603 for complete details let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now that's New Balance the two-way V4 Featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with Fresh Foam. It's called Fuel Cell. Creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort. Your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight. Which we all need. I know I do. While remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The 2-Way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way V4 at NewBalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, I've got a special end-of-the-year interview with, yes, Keith Smith, the one and only. I was joined by my BedMGM co host Ryan Horvath and Nick Hugh. We recorded it on a recent episode last week of BedMGM Tonight. I love Key so much. He's a real-deal insider. He works for SpokeTrack. Had a ton of insight, actually, on the latest from the Knicks, the latest on the Hawks, Warriors, and more importantly right now, teams that might be sellers at the trade deadline. A lot of fun. So drop me a favor, Nick, and drop that generic-ass beat. I got things started by asking keith about the train wreck that has been the chicago bulls which has been absolutely insane and what he thinks is really their future from there keith gets into the warriors and whether they he thinks they are going to be sellers at the deadline
1: yeah i think there is the possibility the bulls are going to start looking at what they've got to do differently this is unfortunate because a year ago or so this was one of the best teams in the league they would gotten off to a great start they were playing really well Then Lonzo Ball got hurt, and everything kind of went sideways on the Bulls, and they they just have not been the same team without him. They struggled towards the end of last year, and they've opened this season very poorly, and and you get a sense when you watch them. It's not that uh, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are playing selfishly, because they're not, but there's just a lot of your turn, my turn offense. There's not a lot of cohesion. Things don't really flow. Their challenge, though, with moving on from pieces is they owe a pick to the Orlando Magic. It's only top four protected uh, this season, so you can't really bottom things all the way out or you're just going to hand a good pick to the Magic because that's not enough protection to feel great that if you land one, two, three, or four, that you're not going to get bumped back in the, in the lottery if a team moves up. So, so they, they've really got some tough decisions to make in Chicago.
0: I'm really interested about how this has changed because last year around this, time, there were all these articles, Keith, about how much chemistry DeMar and Zach Levine had and how they're very unselfish players and, you know, how, you know, DeMar wanted to play off the ball and both of them were willing to sacrifice for each other. Is it as simple as that Lonzo Ball was the connecting tissue or is there something else that sort of changed that?
1: I I think it's a lot of Lonzo Ball being that guy. He was the guy who facilitated the offense. Uh, He gets very underrated having a point guard who makes sure that everyone feels involved, make sure everyone is getting their touches, gets guys the ball in the spots where they like it the most. And and when you don't have that guy, that falls to the other players. Like I said, I don't think DeRozan and Levine are by any means selfish players. I just think they're score-first guys. That's what they've been their entire careers. And when they don't have a point guard there to organize and set things up, that makes it a little bit tricky on that. And, and I think that's what we're starting to see.
0: I'm, I've been reading some reports. First and foremost, Bob Myers obviously hasn't gotten his extension yet, but hearing some rumors that you know, given Steph's injury, that they might be willing to part with a bunch of these role players to try to get a star. Now, Steph's window is obviously very short. And it might be difficult for the Warriors even to get into the play-in tournament given how bad the Warriors' road record has been. You know, what do you think happens and, and how real, I guess, is this sort of new fear moving around the uh the Warriors organization
1: yeah I think they're very much reading the league right now and saying hey the West is jam-packed and it's tight but we're not part of that top group right now And, and I think they they know we may not get into that top four group but they've been in the playing tournament. They were there a couple years ago, and they got knocked out. I think they know you have a bad game or two games in the playing tournament. All of a sudden, your season's over, and you're not going to defend your championship in the playoffs. So I think they'd like to do what they can to try to get there. And I think part of that is going to come down to now making a decision. They have trumpeted and told everybody who wants to listen of, hey, we had our gap years when Steph was out, and we got those great draft picks, and we ended up – in a spot where now we landed our guys who are going to be our bridge players and we're going to go from our core of Curry, Green, and Thompson into this uh, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, Jonathan Kaminga group that's going to lead us forward, and that's how we're going to stretch this into a two-decade-long window of contention. And I think they're starting to realize James Wiseman's not going to be that guy. He, He just isn't for them. He may eventually blossom into being a really good player. He's very young. Young centers often take a while to figure it out in the NBA, but I think the pressure on him in Golden State is too much. And when you sit down and look at it, a $12 million salary, which is what he's sitting on, that's a nice piece of salary matching to go get you a player. Their bench has been awful this season for the most part. So they need to do something. And I think they're going to start to give up on that whole idea of we've got our second group behind our core, and they may break that up.
0: No more two timelines. One of the most disappointing teams probably in the NBA this year has been the Miami Heat. Keith gives a fascinating look at their future and let's just say it's not
1: very good. Yeah, I think Miami's turned it around because they've mostly gotten healthy, they've gotten some of the guys back have missed some time but when you look at that roster it's very flawed uh they, they have a whole bunch of guards a couple of wings and one big man and bam out of and they don't have much else and, and i think if they could find a way to go get another you know forward with some size that could come in and play alongside butler lowry and bam and tyler hero in those groups they'd feel pretty good about that but the challenge is they don't really have tradable contracts. Duncan Robinson has fallen way off the map. He's not even part of their rotation on most nights anymore. He only really gets in there when guys are hurt. He was out of the rotation by the end of last season. And they've got payroll concerns moving forward, too. They, they gave Hero the big deal. you have got Bam on his deal, Butler on his deal, Lowry on his deal. And you've got uh, Tyler Hero's new contract kicking in. So they're in a spot where they're going to have to really figure that out. And you got to pay Max Struess if you want to keep him around uh, mm-hmm. next off season so it's tough for Miami to see how they're going to get their way out of it but it's a good smart front office there they may it wouldn't surprise me if they do something to rebalance that roster a little bit
0: Keith gives his take on two teams going in opposite directions, explaining why the New York Knicks are the hottest team in the NBA, and why the Hawks are in absolute turmoil, and what it might mean for Coach Nate McMillan.
1: Yeah, they're getting back to being that team they were a couple years ago, when they were one of the surprises of the league, and they made it to the playoffs, and that playoff series did not go well for them, and they really said, "All right, we need more offense because we're not there. But what they did was they traded what made them special, which was being such a good defensive team by adding a couple guys in there like Evan Fournier into their group that just weren't quite ready for what they needed to be uh, defensively and wasn't enough of a list on the offensive end. So what's happened now this season after some struggles to open the year, I think Tom Thibodeau basically, I'm assuming with the front office's blessing, said, I'm getting rid of the guys who don't defend. We're, we're going to take those guys out of the rotation. Evan Fournier, Derek Rose, Cam reddish they're all going to be out of the rotation. I'm going to go with guys who will get after it and defend and hope, you know, hey, we can win a whole bunch of games, 198, and that, that'll be who we'll be. That's who we are, and that's probably the best we can hope for right now, and that's starting to work. They're really playing great defense, and they're doing just enough on offense to, to have really turn their season around.
0: Keith, what do you make of the rumors that there's friction between Trey Young and Nate McMillan? Uh, there was obviously some things that got leaked out to, into the media, but also there were you know, rumblings that that was one of the reasons that Lloyd Pierce was fired from Atlanta, is that he and Trey didn't see eye to eye.
1: Yeah, it feels like the old fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you uh, kind, of, kind of situation, or maybe I might have that backwards, but wh- whatever the quote is, feels like we've been fooled twice now where well once you one coach all right fine a coach and a player may not get along get into that second coach that's starting to be all right who who is this really on here is this on the coach or is this on the player and I think in in the case of Trey Young and Nate McMillan you have a point guard in Trey Young star player feels like hey I should be the guy here it should kind of you know really kind of go my way and then you've got Nate McMillan who is a you know, long time NBA player himself. He was also a point guard, a little bit headstrong. He ran into into some of the stuff in his prior stops with players a little bit before. And I think they they've run into a tough spot. And then I think the team's not winning at the level they want to be. They thought the Dejounte Murray trade was really going to give them this identity of all right, we can defend, we can play multiple different kinds of lineups. We've got two guys who can attack on the ball now, and it just hasn't come to fruition. They floated around 500 all year, and that's got people you know kind of you know looking for all right, what is the answer here and I think when we get in those situations the easy answer always is well, blame it on the coach and put it all on him and I think Trey Young maybe bought into that a little bit too.
0: Yeah follow up on that do you think that the original hire for Nate McMillan was the was the right move or the fact that he had all that success as an interim coach kind of forced management to make that decision and, and then secondarily do you think John Collins finally does get moved?
1: Yeah, as far as the Nate McMillan part goes, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it was a situation where you're going to finish out the year, and then it was, wow, he really turned things around, or the players turned around. But whatever it was, Nate McMillan was there when it turned around. And it's hard to then say, all right, thanks for that. We're going to move in a different direction coach-wise. They made it all the way to the East Finals that year in a little bit of a weird season in the the, uh, Eastern Conference, but they were still there and I think well, what we're looking at then was, alright, you can't move on from now. you got to give them that chance, and then you're kind of backed into a corner. As for John Collins, He feels like the kind of new, I hesitate to say new, because Miles Turner and trade rumors are still floating out there, but he's just another version of Miles Turner where we hear trade rumors every single year of this guy's career, and then he never goes anywhere. But I do think there is a chance, because that one seems, the Turner stuff has always seemed like more teams approaching the Pacers, because they like Turner. This one seems like the Hawks and John Collins very much want to separate and go their separate ways. Finally,
0: we get into some trade deadline talk. Keith tries to figure out who possibly might be the big sellers out on the market this year give it a listen
1: yeah that's a good question I mean Jay Crowder is going to get traded because the Suns aren't going to let that go beyond the trade deadline they'll definitely move him at some point it it may be John Collins because there's there are teams who aren't necessarily contenders that are interested in Collins with teams that are kind of in the spot where they're maybe a year or two away from figuring out what they are that, that might jump on Collins. I know we've heard him mentioned to the Utah Jazz. I know Danny Gaines liked him and made a couple of different runs at him when he was running the Celtics. So, yeah, I think we could see Collins get moved. And then there'll be some player that none of us are really thinking about now that between now and a month and a half when the trade deadline comes up, after we get past the holiday period, When some guy's going to look around and be like, yeah, this is not going the way I want it to be, he's going to let it know, be known he wants to go, and then then that's where it'll move. And I think what we may also see, because this is a very weak free agent class this coming summer, you're going to see some teams basically get a jump on their offseason by saying, all right, we'll go get the guy, we'll have him for the rest of this year to really see what he is, figure it out, figure out how he fits with whatever we have left over and that'll be kind of our big acquisition just on a few months earlier yeah the challenge for there to be a very good busy trade deadline is you have to have sellers and the issue right now is some of the bad teams are naturally bad they're just young and bad houston Detroit, Charlotte to some extent, uh, Orlando, who's put been playing better lately, but they're still not a very good team. Oklahoma City, if they eventually fall off, those teams are bad, but they're bad with young players, so they don't have a ton that they're going to start selling off and moving. They've got a couple veterans each, but what we may see is you may see some team that's kind of sitting on the Borderline and say nah, we could really make a playing run or we might be a playing team, but that's not re- really where we want to go. And they may say, all right, hey, if we can get this great package in return from one of our players, let's move this now. What I think we may see kind of happen here is the early movers. If someone makes a trade in early to mid January, a few weeks out. From the trade deadline or even a month out That may be something we see Happen here and that does happen on occasion When the league is bunched up But I was talking to folks around the league And I had 10 different teams tell me Yeah we have a chance to win the title If, if we get into the playoffs and we're healthy And that's crazy we, We're never at that many teams Even you know this far into the season We're usually down to 7-8 teams At most that kind of feel like and Right now everybody feels like Hey we have a real shot at this
0: Last question about 30 seconds, Keith. I want to know, there's obviously a lot of information and rumors about All-Stars. Do you think that uh, De'Aaron Fox is an All-Star this year?
1: I think he has a chance. He won't get voted in because that's just an impossible popularity contest for him to win. But... If the Kings keep winning, it's either going to be him or DeMontis Sabonis Tough. who gets recognized for that. Yeah. So it's going to be one of the two of them. Nah, I think there's a chance it'll be Fox. See, I don't think it'll be both because I don't think they're going to win at quite a high enough level, and I don't know that, that they'll win. So what it'll probably come down to is what does the guard line look like? What does the big man line look like? Who doesn't get voted in? Where do they have to kind of fudge a position to get a guy in that maybe should be in there anyway? No, it ain't time to go that way, especially if there's like a weird vote like last year where Andrew Wiggins kept voted in.
0: That's all that we have for the bonus episode of the Heat Check. Check back tomorrow for an all-new episode, and do not forget to check out the feed for past episodes and interviews. Please follow the Heat Check across all your 2022-2023 season. Download, subscribe. Please tell your friends. And follow us on social at, at this heat Check and at Trista Crick on TikTok because the Heat Check never sleeps, even on Christmas Day.